You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. We are now in financial year 23-24. And while we are busy planning for the new financial year, we also need to be aware clients are starting to lodge their tax returns for last financial year, which may actually be important to the strategies advisors may have recommended during the year. In this case, it's going to be important for those clients to be aware that unless the tax return is lodged correctly, some of these valuable strategies may actually not work out as intended and clients could end up with some unexpected tax consequences instead. I'm your host, Craig Day, and joining me to discuss this important issue about lodging our tax returns correctly in order to get the benefit of those valuable advice strategies is Linda Bruce, one of my senior technical services manager. Managers, hello, Linda. Hey, Craig. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Great. It's now late on a Friday afternoon. We should all be at a watering hole somewhere, drinking rosé or beer or something like that. Instead... We're going to talk about tax returns. How exciting is that? It's better than a beer. Better than a beer, but not better than wine. Is that what not you're better than not, wine. not better than wine. Okay, all right. So let's get into it so we can go off into the night and uh, sample some of these delights. Um, okay, let's have a chat first about low and middle income tax offset, that lovingly thing that was lovingly referred to, referred to as the Lamington. Mm. Now, this was available between 2018-19 year through to 2021-22 and was worth up to about $1,500, I think, in the last year to clients in the form of an extra tax refund or potentially a reduced tax liability after they lodged their 21-22 financial year tax return. Now, Lamido's finished, you know, finished, as I said, in 21-22. That was more than a year ago. So why are we talking about it now? Great question, Craig. It comes down to the practicalities of uh, getting that tax offset. Mm -hmm. So it finished up uh, in 21-22 financial year. That means last financial year, that's 22-23, the client was not eligible to receive this tax offset. But they didn't know because it was not built into the PAYG withholding. They may still uh, be expecting to get that tax benefit mm-hmm. after lodging the last financial year's tax return. Mm-hmm. However, uh, little did they know that the middle is gone. They might be getting a lower tax refund after they lodge the tax return than expected. That might come in as a shock for some of the clients. Okay, so getting rid of Lomito for many people actually results in an increase, you know, a tax increase. You know, we've been used to getting tax cuts over all these years. Um, but in this context, because you got it when you did your tax return, mm. and this is the first tax return they're going to do after Lomito is no longer available. Yep. This is when they're going to say, hang on, where's my $1,500 tax tax return? Or hang on, you know, I thought I should only be paying $3,000 in tax, but now I'm paying to pay $4,500 in tax. And this is because of it, isn't it? 
That's right. That's correct. All right. So we need to be aware of that in terms of our client's cash flow and after-tax position. Now, okay, Lamido's gone, but the low-income tax offset is still available, isn't it? That wasn't one that went away. That's correct. The maximum $700 low-income tax offset is still available. It's available where the client's taxable income is a low, uh, is a thirty-seven thousand or lower, or the client can get a partial tax offset if their taxable income is below sixty-six thousand six hundred sixty-seven dollars. Um, the practical impact on financial advisor strategies is that uh, for a resident taxpayer. They get the first eighteen thousand two hundred dollars tax-free threshold, mm-hmm. but it's important to take the low-income tax offset into consideration. That is seven hundred dollars low-income tax offset means that resident uh, taxpayers' ta- effective tax-free threshold will be increased uh, to twenty-one thousand eight hundred eighty-four. Dollars. Mm-hmm. That means when the uh, advisor recommending salary sacrificing to super strategies or personal deductible contributions, it's so important to bear this amount in mind so that the strategy will not reduce the client's taxable income to below $21,884. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the client will end up with paying more tax. Okay, now... A lot of advisors' clients will actually be retired already yeah. and potentially um, over or reached or over their age pension age. And they can actually get the seniors and pensioners tax offset or otherwise lovingly referred to as SAPTO. Mm-hmm. Now, can SAPTO increase that tax effective threshold? Uh, yes, it can, but not always especially when advisors are recommending salary sacrificing to super strategy or personal deductible contribution, uh, that type of strategies. Mm. Uh, Why? Because the septal is different to the low-income tax offset. Uh, When we're dealing with a low-income tax offset, it's relatively straightforward. We just needed to look at the client's taxable income, that's accessible income minus tax deductions. Uh, so salary sacrificing to super or personal deductible contributions can effectively reduce the client's taxable income, and that can result in a higher amount of uh, uh, low-income tax offset. In comparison, SEPTO is different. Uh, SEPTO is not based on the taxable income. It's based on the rebate income instead. I see where you're going. So does rebate income include the amount salary sacrificed to super and our personal deductible contributions to super? You know the answer to it, right, Craig? Sure, it mm, does. Yeah. The rebate income includes the salary sacrifice to super amount, any voluntary employer contributions, and the personal deductible super contributions. So if the client's income is reduced by personal deductible contribution. And then when the ATO look at the situation, they actually will add that personal deductible contribution amount back to the rebate income. Mm-hmm. As a result, this type of um, deductions or salary sacrifice contributions simply cannot result in higher amount of acceptable. Right. Yeah, so... Um, 
if the client's rebate income, that's the income before we allow for any personal deductible contributions. If that amount exceeded uh, the septal cutoff threshold, um, then the client just simply cannot get any septal. Right. That means we are dealing with the same effective tax-free threshold. That is a twenty one thousand eight hundred eighty four dollars. Okay, so all of those clients, mm -hmm. you know, that we had those work test changes, didn't we? So mm. we got rid of the work test for being able to make a contribution between sixty seven and seventy five, including twenty eight days after the end of the month they turned seventy five. So this is the group they're up and over age pension age. Mm. If they are doing a bit of work and they want to try and manage their tax, get a mm. bit more sapto, mm. claiming personal deductible contribution is not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and also uh, an advisor might be asking, um, so what is the, my client's effective tax free threshold if they can get some septal? Mm. Well, if things can get really tricky, right, Craig? Yeah, then a... it comes down to uh, the level of uh, low income tax offset they can get and the level of uh, uh, septal they can get based mm -hmm. on the relevant income test. And they do get the 18200 Dollars yeah, regardless, yeah. Yep. but based on the amount of actual tax offset they can get, that effective tax th tax free threshold actually yeah will change. Okay, so mm. that sounds complicated. Uh, are there tools available to help advisors here? Yeah, luckily we do have a tool. The ATO has a lovely calculator that can help us out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the Beneficiary Tax Offset and the Seniors and the Pensioners Tax Offset Calculator. Oh, and it is available. <laughs> yeah, it is available on the ATO website. Okay. All right. Now, speaking of personal deductible contributions, you know, I can't remember how many podcasts we've done, how many articles we've written about this topic. And we only just did one last last month, I mm. think, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, we did. Um, now, we used to talk about uh, a lot about the ins and outs and the importance of lodging a valid notice of intent with the super fund. Now, today we're talking about individual tax returns. So, Linda, what do advisors need to watch out for when a client lodges their tax return to make sure that the strategy recommended by an advisor can, is going to end up working the way they intended? Uh yeah, uh, two things came to my mind, Craig. The first thing, uh, there has been a change, if I remember correctly, since uh, eighteen nineteen financial year. All the large super funds now needs to report the acknowledgement of a valid notice of intent to the ATO within 10 business days. What does that mean? That means if the member uh, is a uh, with a big fund, mm -hmm. and most likely that piece of information is pre-filled when they do the tax return. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't apply to the so many super funds, but for big funds, most likely it should be pre-filled. So it's not the contribution they're reporting, it's the acknowledgement. acknowledgement of receiving a valid notice of intent that's right that's being reported oh, yes, okay right, that's right yeah. and so then that feeds into so when they go on to ato online services and mm. they want to do their tax return it's mm. all pre-filled it should be it should be there right <laughs> yeah. yes that's right. right so um your advisor first thing first uh should check whether that piece of information is pre-filled mm -hmm. if not what's the reason behind it 
maybe you want to double check with the fund, find out uh, whether the fund actually acknowledged the notice of in receipt of the notice of intent. Mm -hmm. If they did, maybe there's some data matching problem with ATO, but at right. least you you know mm -hmm. that you are doing the right thing. But double check. But you might find out the client might have forgot to lodge the notice of intent. Mm -hmm. Now, before lodging the tax return, you still have. A the, the opportunity to yeah. fix it. Yeah. 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 What about if they've got an SMSF? Well, can I say good luck? Yeah, they don't report. Do <laughs> they, they don't report it. Double check with the fund, an administrator, tax accountant, yeah. do whatever okay. you need to do. Okay. Yeah. And you said two things. Two things. Yeah. The second thing is actually claim the tax deduction in the tax return. <laughs> you Sounds laughing. pretty simple, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds pretty simple. Uh, we did get a lot of calls yeah. from advisors. Yeah, we got a lot of calls on this one. <laughs> advisors saying, my client maximized the non-concessional contribution. Mm -hmm. uh, we're putting additional twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, depending on the situation. And we lodged the valid notice of the intent. We received acknowledgement from the fund why the ATO issued access non-concessional mm. contributions determination mm. letter? That was like a mystery behind yeah. the scenes. And well, eventually we well, found advisor out. Well, the advisor freaks out, don't they? And they yeah. think, what have I done wrong? Yeah, that's right. And they haven't done anything wrong. They didn't. No. <laughs> yeah. When the client lodged the tax return themselves or they engaged the tax, return, uh, tax agent to do it, Guess what? They forgot Someone's, to claim the deduction. Just forgot to claim it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. Simple as that. You did not claim the deduction. ATO will allocate that amount towards the member's non-concessional contribution cap. All of a sudden, the member breached the cap. But it's not the end of the world, right? Mm. Um, Craig, the tax return can still be amended. Yep. So long you're still in the review, two-year review pro, uh, period, yep. you can still amend the tax return. Um, then the things should be fixed. Okay, so what if there's a delay in lodging the tax returns? Ah, we get this question as a well yeah. a lot um, because the ATO might want to do the right thing. They might look at the non-concessional contributions as early as possible before the client actually lodges the tax return. If they use a tax agent, they have the following May to lodge the tax return. And between now and the following May, the ATO might have, collected all the information, how much personal contributions the fund reported, oh, it's more than the cap and there's no tax deduction because tax return hasn't been lodged, then that could trigger access non-concessional mm. contribution as well. So it's really important uh, where an advisor recommend a personal deductible contribution strategy. It's so important to make sure that the tax return is lodged as early as possible. So the strategy, the benefit of strategy can be carried out as okay. intent. All right. Now let's move on to government co-contributions. Mm. Now, got a few calls that clients are eligible, but they actually never received the co-contribution after lodging their tax return. So what's going on here? Why, why, aren't, they getting, why aren't they getting their money? Uh, we don't know 100%. But there is an item in the tax return. The item is called government super contributions item. Mm -hmm. uh, the ATO advised on their website. They use the information contained in this label in the tax return lodged to ensure that the client receives the correct co-contribution amount. 
Now, with the traditional paper version of the tax return, the government co-contribution, uh, government super contribution label sits in the supplementary tax return adjustment section. Is the item A three, mm-hmm. and if a client wants to use my tax, uh, when they personalizing the tax return, the client needs to select that particular label, the government super contribution label, or if they engage a tax agent, I'm sure the, the software has an equivalent label. Um, the ATO advised on their website, it is not compulsory for the client to complete the government super contribution label. Mm-hmm. However, if they are not completed, the client may not receive the correct co-contribution payment. So when uh, investigating advisors' queries, uh, surprisingly, uh, all of these clients did not fill up that label. We don't know whether it's completely 100% relating to the label missing, um, but um, based on the ATO information, we think it may have something to do uh, with not completing okay, this so label. Okay, so I can just imagine the situation, you know, clients come in to see the advisor, the advisor provides advice and says, mm. hey, you do this, you're going to mm. get, you know, a $500 co-contribution mm. at the end of the year. They go and lodge their tax return. They don't click the label. Mm. And then the client turns around and says, where's my $500 co-contribution? You told me I was going to get it. So yep. now the advisor looks like they got something wrong. Mm. But it's not the advisor getting something wrong, once again. Right. It's maybe that they haven't clicked the proper thing in their, you know, ATO online services tax return or haven't ticked the right box yep. in the paper return. So if you're going to be recommending a co-contribution or a non-concessional contribution to get a co-contribution, then you just got to tell them they're going to make sure they tick that box. That's yeah? right, just to be sure. Right. Yeah. Now, what about if we haven't been paid it, what do we do? Oh, Perhaps have a chat with ATO to find out why. Um, And there are situations it's quite important to complete that label, especially when client has uh, business deductions, because that label allows the income for co-contribution purposes to be calculated properly. So if the client has certain business deductions, um, that label may require to be adjusted. And if the client, this is really important. If the client is a, a joint owner of any investments, mm-hmm. could it be investment of property? Could it be an investment portfolio, share portfolio, managed yeah. funds, etc.? Yeah. Yeah. For tax law purposes, they are regarded as partners in the partnership, mm. which is good news for government co-contribution purposes. Because if they were the sole owner of those investments, it's the gross income generated by the assets uh, that needs to be taken into consideration with calculating the um, government co-count. But when they are considered as tax law partners in the partnership, mm-hmm. it's the net income. It's their share of the net income that is after the tax deduction are allowed to be claimed by the tax law partnership. Yeah. So that means if you don't adjust that label and if you are co-owner, of certain investment, the amount calculated by the ATO mm, might be a lot higher. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so important yeah. to do the adjustment. So in that situation also, dear listener, also remember tax law partnership doesn't mean I'm running a business. 
that's general law. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's general concept mm. of, a, of a partnership. This just means you're deriving income jointly with someone. So okay. co-owning an asset yes. and generating income. We have article. We have article. We have article. Yes, it. yes, we do indeed. We do indeed. So obviously just really important to work with the tax agent to make sure that the label is correctly completed so the government co-contribution can be calculated and paid correctly. Um, and if advisors want to find out more about co-investment, we, as you say, we we have additional information on this um, around, you know, co-investment owners, partnerships, and financial planning considerations. Um, so go and check those out. Now, what else do we need to know about, Linda? Last but not least, Craig. If an advisor recommends the spouse contribution for the purposes of getting up to $540 spouse contribution tax offset, the advisor needs to ensure that there is another item in the tax return. Uh, it's called superannuation contribution on behalf of your spouse item mm -hmm. is completed correctly. So where does it sit? If we go to the paper version, the traditional paper version of the tax return is in the supplementary section. It's uh, item T3. T stands for tax offset. Mm -hmm. If lodging the tax return using a tax agent or my tax, uh, where my gov, the equivalent item will need to be completed. All right. Terrific. So talked a lot there about different strategies that an advisor may be implementing for their client, whether it's claiming tax deductions mm. or looking at their effective tax-free threshold or trying to get co-contribution. A lot of these will depend on that tax return being com correctly completed and all the different boxes checked and all this sort of mm. stuff. So if that doesn't happen, it can actually result in errors being kicked up and all of a sudden we're being issued with an excess non-concessional contribution determination. Calm down, stop uh, stop hyperventilating. You probably haven't done anything wrong there. It's probably just the tax return hasn't been completed properly. So it's in, in terms of understanding all of that, it's really important to, to walk your client through. If you've recommended certain things, you need to tell them they've got to click those boxes in the tax return. Now, I think that pretty much sums it all up. Yep, I all agree. Right. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Craig. And thank you for listening. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.